What's going on, y'all? This is Dennis Smith Jr. checking in to let you know that you're listening to Numbers on the Board with Jeff Skin Wade and Bobby Corrales. up everybody it is numbers on the board i'm bobby corella from maps.com joining me today it is july the peak of the nba's busy season and this guy cashed in signing a five-year 750 million dollar deal to remain with the mavericks forever yes every year is a player option yes Congratulations in, to Jeff Skinwade. In perpetuity, which is not an easy word to say. No. $750 million, man. How'd you? That's even above the max. I think it's in Bitcoin. Bitcoin? Yeah, but not okay. actual, like, the cyber thing. It's like a joke money. It's a Bitcoin. Oh, yeah, wow. It's, yeah, it's kind of a new thing. We'll yeah. see how it flies. Dude, we got, we got jokes. We got jokes we up got in hell. We got basketball, too. Yeah, Dude, man. It's good time. Skin, I'm not going to lie. I'm a little hungover this morning. Badass. On the Mavs offseason. Hey! It's been great. It's been great so far. Uh, it's been a minute since we've talked, man. So yeah. they, they got Luka Doncic. We talked about that. But then they also got this guy, DeAndre Jordan. You might have heard of him. Oh, yeah. Uh, and they got some other guys, too. So we're going to talk all about that. Uh, first, let's start with the big man. He's dominating the headlines. He's going to dominate the boards and put numbers on them, and we're going to talk about them on our podcast. When can we get him on the podcast, by the way? Uh, you know, so apparently he's on vacation. I guess he's just... It's the summer months. I understand yeah. that. He's got Rich better, guy's vacation in July. He's got better things to do than talk to us, right, I guess. Right, uh, And then at the end of July, he's going to be in Vegas um, with Harrison Barnes, actually, and Jamal Mosley. The Mavs are taking over the U.S. national team. Oh, yes. Uh, I forgot about yeah, that. Yeah, there's a mini camp out there. So DeAndre and Barnes will be uh, two of, I think, like 25 or 35 players or something mm-hmm. that, are in th- that are in that camp. That, that pool of guys. Yeah, they're not actually playing games. I think it's just practicing. I think they're trying to determine what the team's going to be. Yeah. It's yeah. part of the whittle-down process. Yeah, because next summer, I believe, is the World Cup. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so those guys are vying for spots on that team. Uh, and actually, interesting story. We can talk about that later. But um, – but, yeah, so DeAndre will be there in July, and then I think in August he might come back. Mm-hmm. So maybe, maybe we'll that's uh, – we're teasing to August. You know, yeah. it's weird. I was talking to our buddy Scott Tomlin that works in the Mavs PR department yesterday, and because of the way they've changed things to where, you know, we have fewer back-to-backs and eliminate the four and five in that routine, I think training camp starts like the second week of September. Or? Dude, well, and they're going to China too, they're, so right. they might and, even start earlier. And when is that, the first week of October? When do they go to China? Yeah, that's usually – they're usually the first games played, so like... Are you going to go to China, dude? I don't know. Are let you? Me put, no, hell no. i got to do the radio show, but let me put in a good word for you. Okay. I'll talk to DeAndre and see okay. if he'll take you to Make China. Make it happen. Would that be great? They they just gave DeAndre a boatload of money. Whatever yeah. he says goes, man. Right. we got to get on his good side. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, that's, uh, that's exciting stuff, though, man. It's so weird. It's like you, you talked about, you know, July being such an important time for the NBA, and, and quite frankly, we've never had the discussion of NBA Twitter. Like, we've never talked about that, but that's a legitimate thing. And I read a lot of articles about this sort of stuff. I'm interested in this, and it's how the NBA very early on, even though the NFL's the dominant sport, we know that, just look at TV ratings, the NBA dominates the cyber world. And part of it had to do with owners like Mark Cuban that were new school owners that understand the power of technology. Mm. And I know very early on, Adam Silver understood the power of technology. But also, you know, I look around at a lot of NBA writers that made a name for themselves on Twitter first and, and you know, garnered a following. And I do think the pace of, uh, you know, the NBA game and I think the personalities and how it's easier to get to know the personalities because there's fewer of them they're not wearing helmets on and on and on uh it became a thing like i think the great ex- greatest example of that is that network dude yeah that's yeah. you know he i i don't even know what he was doing i just know i was following him on twitter because he made me laugh he was smoking games. a lot of weed in new york city is <laughs> yeah. <what> he was <laughs> doing <laughs> but it worked out great for him now oh, yeah. he's a media personality and his podcast bench mode i know we're not supposed to cross promote with competitors okay? why not are they a competitor no oh, okay uh it's a great podcast yeah bench mode he's an, he's an entertaining individual and you saw that come through through his twitter account and all that so uh i don't know how oh yeah so the reason i brought that up is that is there more interest in anything on Twitter than the night NBA free agency starts? Dude, that was wild, wasn't it? I was um, 
I was out for a friend's birthday, uh, one of my oldest friends, and we were leaving uh, the Ritz Carlton where we had a wow. really f- yeah he's a okay he's that kind of guy right yeah and I'm standing out there and Marcus Smart standing next to me, and so I'm like, man, free agency started an hour ago, and obviously Marcus Smart's from here and stuff. And I had a brief conversation with him. It wasn't tampering, I promise. And I had a brief conversation with him, but I'm like, man, this is, I'm, a, I'm supposed to be celebrating this guy's birthday, but all I can think about is NBA free agency. And just seeing Marcus Smart standing there made my brain go crazy because we're all so hyper-focused in on who's going where and what's going to get what LeBron's deal. LeBron's son and, is enrolled in an <laughs> L.A. high school. Like. It's, and it's, it's, you're not watching anything. You're staring at your phone screen. Yeah. I mean, think about that. You're you're not even watching action. You're waiting for a tweet to appear. Yeah. And everybody is doing it at eleven o'clock on a Saturday night. On a Saturday night, that's a thing. I was waiting for you to get there. Like, dude, eleven o'clock on a Saturday night, and this is like NBA fans are young people generally. Yeah. I mean, like, it's not you know. I, there are obviously sixty and seventy year old people that like the NBA, but like the NBA's new generation of fans. The reason that league is taking off is because they're appealing to people my age and younger yeah right absolutely and on a saturday night at 11 o'clock like we're supposed to be out getting in fights in uptown right instead we're staying home freaking refreshing our phones to right. see where deandre is going drinking deli- delicious craft beer from yeah. the fridge yeah from the it, comfort of my own living room it's in uh but it's fun it's an event and so uh while we're talking about this were you surprised that everything got nailed down so fast or did you expect that i mean it's almost like they I don't know what happened at 11.01, but I guess these guys just have really fast conversations yeah, very man. specifically, too. But, yeah, right. no, it, it seemed like uh, – I don't know. I mean, because normally in the past years when LeBron's been free, it's just been such a long, drawn-out process. Right. And this year there were plenty of big names. I mean, DeAndre is maybe not a first-team All-NBA guy, but – But he's, he's been a, a first-team yeah. All-NBA yeah, guy yeah, before. He's, he's a, you know, he's Paul George, really, really good player. I mean, yeah. there were, there have been a handful of guys in this class who are really highly thought of that normally all these teams with money would wait until LeBron decides, and then they'd sign the other big guys, and then it's like July 30th, and now that's whenever you re-sign Solid Measury and you right. do all these things. But Do you, do you think uh, you know the West got way better? The West was already way better, and then it got even more way better. Is that yeah. how people talk? It's way, way better. It's all the wayest. Yep. So um, do you, how do you feel about the addition of DeAndre from a competition standpoint? Do you view the Mavericks as a team that are in the mix for a playoff spot? That's tough, man. So it depends on a couple things. Now, hold on. I want, to, I want everybody to know I'm asking you this because – I know that you love the team, but I also know that you're not uh, such a homer that you see things that don't exist. Like, I respect your ability to separate things and analyze this stuff. Obviously, we want the Maver- I want the Mavericks to go undefeated, but I'm also a realist. So, through that spectrum, what does the DeAndre move do? Well, uh, it makes their offense way better, mm-hmm. right? So, this is the big stat. There's a lot of stats that matter a lot that are super nerdy that you can get into, but DeAndre kills people early in the shot clock. He shoots 79% from the field mm. with between 22 and 15 seconds left on the shot clock. Like eight, So he makes four out of five shots. He's dunking on people like five seconds into possession. Right. And the Mavs for the last couple of years have been this slow knockdown, drag out, kill 20 seconds, and then take a contested jump shot team. So right. he makes things easier for everybody. And from that perspective, I think they're going to score a lot more points. They're going to play at a faster pace, and they're going to shoot more open threes because he's rolling to the rim. So, like, I think it makes them way better. Mm-hmm. But they finished, what, 13th in the West last year? Yes. And How optimistic you want to be here, man? They're I, a 24-win team. Yeah, they were a 24-win team that lost 38 games by seven points or less. So, mm-hmm. And we talked about this earlier this summer. Teams that lose that many games by that – few points generally do way better Mm -hmm. and they got the best prospect arguably and they got the best center arguably Mm -hmm. so the ingredients for being way better are there the question is are you going to be better than teams like denver Mm -hmm. minnesota denver with a healthy assuming a healthy paul millsap all year long yeah he's a great player he's He's one of the most underrated players in the nba he's so good and he is perfect i think with Jokic too because yes. they can both spread the floor and yes. Millsap can defend the rim no one really talks like about this but he's probably the most similar to player to draymond green that there is now they have their differences but in terms of Millsap like, seems a little friendlier uh yeah <laughs> yeah he's not so uptight right yeah. um but just being he's obviously not the ball handler 
but he's a better shooter, I think. Um, we can argue that. But he, he's the kind of guy that gets rebounds in traffic and can push and opens up your offense in unique ways. And it's like, how do we account for that over there? I don't yep. know. Um, and he can defend and he can rebound. Absolutely. And he's tough and, and all those things. And you're right. He's a great compliment to Jokic, who we obviously all love as a player. That's a really, really good player. And yep. I think, like, what is Oklahoma City? I assume that Oklahoma City – I think that unless something crazy happens – Portland's the most interesting team to me because I don't see them as the third best team that they were record wise last year. I don't they think got, even last year they were the third best team. No, they and then they got swept in the playoffs. And yep. so I'm going, are they the team that's going to tumble? Uh, it's one of these teams going to tumble. Mm. What you know? And I think people have written off the Clippers, and I look at their roster and go, that team's going to be competitive. Dude, they're going to defend. They're so going to well. yes. Their starting lineup is what like they got Beverly. Luke and Bamute, Tobias Harris is real long. Yeah, Montrez Harrell, I guess, is going to be their center, which could he's be. a nail. Well, chewer. and they got they got uh, Gortat too, right? But uh, yeah, they can defend, dude. And Pat Bev is tough, and that's one thing about DeAndre last season. There were a lot of uh, words, I guess, written about saying like he used to be this dominant defender, and now he might be slipping because he's turned thirty or whatever. We'll see. But yeah, he played. All of his minutes last year with like Lou Williams and Austin Rivers and mm-hmm. guys who aren't really known for their defense. Right. At the beginning of the year, when it was Beverly and Jordan and Griffin, they were like killing teams defensively for the first like half month of the season. But then everybody got hurt. Like the Clippers had two lineups last year that played 100 minutes. Right. Two. Right. That's like so few. And that's, they played like 110. The Mavs had like six. So as for as much turnover as there was on the Mavs last year, there was even more on the Clippers. So like I, I don't view their failure as DeAndre's failure. I think you know for I mean? the, the reasons you're laying out there from a Clippers perspective is why Wesley Matthews is so important this year. Yeah. Because – and there, and this, to me, it also goes along with adding Luka. So to me, where Wesley gets into problems is when he tries to play outside of his comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Now, you don't ever want to pigeonhole a player. I think people, for example, pigeonholed Harrison, and I think he showed that he can do more than people slotted him as. But when you've talked about our offensive problems, and when the offense bogs down, people reach outside of what they do to try to make things happen. Mm-hmm. When Wesley is focused in on – I mean, we know he's a great catch-and-shoot player. He's always been that. And he's also still – at his age, after the injuries he's had, a premier defensive player. Mm-hmm. I think, honestly, before DeAndre got here, I want people to go back in their memory banks. I think he was our best low post defender. I mean, do Probably, you remember when? Yeah. Do you remember when Porzingis was torching us, and we put Wesley on him, and he shut him down? Yeah, dude, Porzingis was like he could not get the ball out of his hands. He couldn't quick get enough. the ball, and it's because. You know, we talk about shot blocking and help defense, but so much of post-defense is about not letting a person establish position, and Wesley is built like a tree trunk. So mm-hmm. it's like, well, i got to move this tree trunk to get to where I want to go. No, you ain't moving it. And so I'm, 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 there's a little bit of hyperbole here, but I'm telling you, he can do everything we need defensively. So when you put him on the other team's best offensive player and DeAndre is back there, that opens things uh, – or not opens things up, that shuts things down quite a bit for the other team. And since you've also added Luka and you have this great rim roller, I think it puts Wesley in a position to where he can do his role and focus on his role and people are going to be happier with the Wesley Matthews they get this year than they've ever had as a Maverick. Yeah, for sure. And we haven't even mentioned how that also opens up things for Harrison and on and on and on. So you look at that lineup and you go, man, that has a chance to be a much better defensive lineup but a much better offensive lineup as well. And then obviously the thing we're not talking about is this season a lot of it will depend on how much better does Dennis Smith Jr. get. Particularly shooting. Particularly Particularly shooting. And also he's going to be in more catch-and-shoot situations this year because of Lucas playmaking than he was last year. And I think it's fair to go, man, I don't know if he's a particularly good catch-and-shoot player. But here we are slotting a guy, so how much better is he going to get? How much work does he put in? And all those sorts of things. Well, you've seen his jumper, too. I mean, his jumper looks better. Now, just because someone has a prettier-looking jump shot doesn't mean it's actually going to go in more often. Right. But, like, his jump shot to me looks so much smoother now. Yeah. And I think in Summer League, I mean, he his his shooting numbers at Summer League were not that good. I, I don't know them off the top of my head, but he had a couple. I think he was, like, 0 for 7 in his last game. Right. One of them was a buzzer beater. But he's taking a lot of off-the-dribble jumpers, and those are tough. It almost makes me think that they're, like – 
telling him, if you have a look, just take it. It's right. kind of like spring training in baseball. Like, pitcher, just throw seven sliders in a row. Even if they hit him, it's just about doing it. Right. Right. I think they're just trying to get him reps. Uh, he was a pretty good catch-and-shoot three-point shooter last year, though. He was 37%. Is that right? Yeah. I wonder if That's a lot like of that, actually really good. I wonder if a lot of that was in transition. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know, but it was because that's way better than his normal percentage. Oh yeah. So last season overall, he shot thirty one point eight percent, which means yeah. So pull ups, he was twenty seven percent. Catch and shoot thirty seven, but he took way more pull ups than catch and shoots. So mm-hmm. yeah, if that flips, then you know he could get up to like thirty three, thirty four. And but you know obviously the reason he's taking way more is because he had the ball a whole hell of a lot more. Yeah, because so, it was and, him and West. That right. Was, that was kind of it. In know? this offense, and, and we don't know yet, but I look at our team and go, man, I know how much they love Yogi, so I think there's a good chance Yogi's back here. We'll see how you know the rest of free agency plays out. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, uh, I think Rick is very comfortable with Yogi creating. I think Rick is obviously very comfortable with J.J. Barea creating. So, And then we know Luca is going to create as well. So those are opportunities for Dennis to, to be a catch-and-shoot type guy. But I do um, – the vaunted Mike Procopio, player development coach for the Mavericks, uh, was talking to him about this, and I love his insight on player growth and those things. And you want a guy who's honest. Yeah. Oh, and he's honest. (laughs) And to me, it's like going to Warren Buffett and going, so what do you think about this stock? I think that's a terrible investment, you moron. Um, But anyway, so one of the things his sort of philosophy is – from a growth standpoint, obviously it changes depending on the player, and uh, you'll hear the term buy-in. That's, that matters a lot to staffs. Um, but he says once a guy goes through two summers, two training camps, and approaches his second trade deadline, he starts to kind of see what the league is. Now, there's some guys that are going to get there faster. Uh, LeBron James going to get there faster. Mm-hmm. There's some guys that are going to get there a lot slower. I think you can make an argument that Dennis is ahead of that curve. So that gets me really excited to look at it and go, man, what's he going to be doing in December? Like, he might really be pouring it on. And yep. I think with so much excitement over DeAndre and so much excitement over Luca, I think people have forgotten what Dennis is and what he can do and how important he is to this team. Yeah, he was like 15-5-5 five, and five last year almost, 15-5-4. and four. As a 20-year-old. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he was awesome. And I think I, even with the 18-month kind of theory – like, I think that's just phase one, mm-hmm. right? And then right. phase two is, like, the three years after that. Like, yeah. it's, it takes point guards so long to develop, especially when you come in as a 19-year-old. Right. Like, Kyrie, I think, is a really good example. So his first three years in Cleveland, he averaged, like, 20 points a game, but Cleveland never won more than, like, 25 games because they were toiling in the post-LeBron era. And he was – no offense, NBA – it's all relative NBA players. If I say you're a bad NBA player, you're a great player in the yeah. world. You're just bad compared to NBA players. He didn't have guys around him that could go. Yeah. No, but he he didn't. But and even though he put up good numbers, the kind of perception was this is a good numbers bad team guy. Yeah. Right. And then all of a sudden LeBron goes there and Kyrie hits a couple game winners and wow he's one of the best players in the NBA. Like right. it's amazing what happens when you play with better players. Right. So just because I mean Dennis put up numbers last year, the team did not perform this season. If he doesn't put up numbers and the team does perform, it doesn't mean he's not good. No, right? absolutely it, if he, not. If he struggles with his three-point shot, it doesn't mean he's not good. If he puts up huge numbers and the team doesn't win, that doesn't mean he's not good. Like, it's going to be uh, this jump to conclusions thing all season, I think, with Dennis and Luca both. And it's just important to remember, like, careers last 15 seasons, not two. Right. You know, it's going to be a process. Let me give you an example. Because I think you liked him as much as I did last year uh, going into the year. Have you in any way, one degree at all, wavered on your belief that Jonathan Isaac's going to be a player? Dude, I think he's going to be legitimately very, very, very good. I mean, I don't want to sit here and say he's Kevin Garnett because that's not fair. That's like saying Luke is going to be Magic Johnson. It's simply not fair. Dog, he's going to be so good. Yeah. And I can't tell you how many NBA fans are like, well, that guy's trash. Look at him. He sucked. It's like. Dude, he's trying to figure out – last year he lived in a dorm. Yeah. <laughs> like, what are you doing? That guy's going to be a stud. Yeah. And it's summer league, and I, I honestly – I place zero value in summer league. Mm. Like, the all-time great summer league champ is Anthony Morrow, who when he was a Maverick barely played. Yep. So my point is that don't care about that, but you look at like, all right, what is that guy working on? What can he do? If anybody saw any of Jonathan Isaac catching the ball 25 feet from the bucket and working his man in summer league – that guy is going to be so good. Yep. And if it, it really comes down to 
interchangeable players for them. Obviously, they've made a big inv- investment in a guy I know a lot of Mavs fans wanted, and Aaron Gordon, mm. talented guy. If they're interchangeable threes and fours, and Mo Bamba ends up being like half of what I think he can be, their front line is set. Yeah, that's a lot of length. Woo! That's three guys with seven feet wingspans. And one and the guy who's not long can jump out of the gym Blake yep. Griffin style before yep. Blake all broke down. So it's like it takes a long time. And that's the other thing I want to get to. I look at our team, and I think we will compete for a playoff spot. Oh, yeah, we kind of strayed off that topic, we did, didn't we? But that's okay. We're tangential. Yep. Um, and if that is the case this year, then I'm telling you, this is for you young math fans that didn't live through the 90s as a like a very like maybe you were kids then mm. as an adult. I lived through the 90s. If the last two years is as bad as it gets, we have won. Yeah, we're hashtag oh. blessed in that. In I that mean, situation. I know we won 24 games, but it didn't feel like that to me because we were so competitive. You know, you can you can get up every morning and get online and look at the standings and go, oh, my God. But if you just sort of like absorb the season as it comes and you watch the games, I did not leave the arena every night going, man, we're trash. Mm. I, I didn't feel like that because three minutes left in the game, me, Followell, and Harper, like, all right, here it go. You know, it's, hey, that's a lot of L's and wearing L's sucks. Mm. I'm not trying to justify the, that. But it didn't feel like a 24-win team. Mm. And that's also part of my reasoning of – why it's not just adding DeAndre and Luca. Part of it is also, man, we were way better than our record showed. So if you realize what you are, I'm saying when I say realize, like actualize it out there on the floor, that's a d- totally different team. That's a totally different feel. And now I'm sitting there going, yeah, I could see us on April 1st being two games out or being tied for eighth or whatever it is because that's the caliber of the team. There's Golden State. There's whatever you think that next two or three teams is, and then I think there's a lot of other teams. I don't think we're that far from that. Mm. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. And last season they were close in a lot of these games, but kind of the the fallback, not really criticism, but kind of like the truth was the bench was secretly keeping in a lot of those games. Yes. The starting lineup, every starting lineup they had had a negative net rating. Okay. Right? Go, go. Keep, I, so, I want to jump in on what you're saying. Yeah, so when, when your bench is that good and your starting lineup is struggling, obviously the solution or the, the problem is you need more like top tier guys, right? Yes. So if all you do in the summer, and that's this is another complaint, if the only things you achieve in the summer is adding two guys that are going to be in your starting lineup who are very good, like the best prospect and the best center, you're kind of addressing your problem, right? Yes. They needed more playmaking. They needed more top-line starters. Like, DeAndre Jordan is a badass, yes. right? Like, he fixes so many of their problems. Yes. So if the bench stays the same and the starting lineup gets better, like, what do you think is going to happen? There's only one direction you can go. All you right. Know? Do you, this is where I wanted to go. God, I just I get off on so many tangents with you. This is where I wanted to go from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, so one thing I saw on Twitter uh, when I was, you know, pushing the DeAndre Jordan excitement was – this is terrible. He won't be able to play in the last four minutes of the game. And I'm looking at that and I'm going, so I want everybody to think about, if you watch these press conferences after the game, what the majority of Rick's complaints were. They were playing with force, they were rebounding, and they were how he started the game. Yeah, he says first quarter league, first quarter league, first quarter Do you league. know the stat on teams that are leading at the end of the first quarter, how many times they win the game? It's – much higher than I think. I think the last time I checked, I believe it was 68%. Jeez. Now that, you know, maybe it's a little off, but that's the ballpark. Mm -hmm. If you win the first quarter, you win 68% of the time. So while you're at home on Twitter bitching about the final four minutes, I'm going, did we win the first quarter? And to your point, that second quarter lineup that was so good, that will continue to be so good, what about them coming in with the lead as opposed to down seven trying to fix problems? Exactly. You suddenly have a way different team. And I think the other interesting thing, too, that we don't know, but we all just seem to talk about, we're all talking about Dirk like he's coming off the bench. And that's an interesting thing mm-hmm. because I think Dirk knows and or I'm not going to say once. I don't, you know, I'm not, haven't talked to him about this particularly, but he's talked about the idea of coming off the bench before. 
and I think he'll be – they used to manipulate things to where Dirk gets a quick rest and then comes back in with J.J. And if everybody remembers, that initially started in 2011 to help J.J. because he started off horrifically that season. They adjusted the lineups. He came in with Dirk. Lo and behold, hey, open shots. You're making open shots, blah, blah, blah. But then that helps Dirk as well. So if they have this idea that Dirk and Berea are the dynamic duo coming off the bench together, pounding these like first- and second-year players that mm. don't know where they are yet – but those guys are coming in up four instead of down five. Man, what a tremendous Or even shift. tied. Right. Even tied. I mean, how many times in the last three seasons have the Mavs called timeout three minutes into the game and coming out of the break follow us saying, well, the Mavs are down 12-5 after a, yep. a rough early start. That's got to change. Like, it's it's every every single game. It's the same story. So I was Googling or searching this uh, on my on my Twitter. Okay. Um so 2016-17, that was the year the Mavs went 33-49. and 49. Okay. V- pretty competitive, kind of like this past year's team. Yeah. Only I think they kind of had some more games that just got away from them, especially early in the season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, they, they struggled with kind of that rubber banding of, like, falling behind and then getting back into it. Right. So that team won 33 games. Whenever they were down by three or less, so, like, mm-hmm. if they were minus three or better. So okay. So winning or – Within a bucket or winning. Yeah. After the first quarter, they won half their games. Whenever they were down by four or more, they were six and twenty-three. <laughs> so, like, if you're behind early, it's just impossible. It's so hard. So, if you have this amazing bench, and they had like that bench lineup was one of the best lineups in the NBA, yes. and all of those guys are probably going to be back. Yes. Now, that doesn't mean that JJ Bray is going to have a career year. It doesn't mean Dirk's going to shoot forty percent from three again. But like, those guys know how to play, they, and, and they're playing against rookies, like yeah. you said. You know. Do you know why? Do you know why? Well, there's one of the reasons JJ had to create a career year is because J.J. at his age now understands how to prepare his body to do what he has to do. Mm. You know, a lot of it is experience. So he's got the, you know, uh, our, our buddy uh, Melvin Hunt that left, you say co- corporate knowledge. He's got all the corporate knowledge of this team. He now has an understanding of his body at that age and what he has to do in the offseason to make sure he can play to the highest level. And now that we have – you know, better younger players, they have a lesser minute load. And all of that adds up to them being effective uh, in shorter bursts the way that they need to be effective. Mm. So, yeah, J.J. may not have back-to-back career years, but he's going to be within the spectrum of what he was last year because he understands how to be that now. And he still has the guy next to him that scored 30,000 points right. that, that back-up power forwards are terrified to leave because if they do, they're going to get benched immediately. You know what I was thinking about, too, and let's do a little criticism of the team here. So one of the, things, one of the best games Dirk had last year was when he hit four threes, I believe, in the first half because DeAndre wouldn't come out and cover Yeah. Him. Okay? That was a part of the game plan. Yep. Uh, so that's another thing that DeAndre – now, I don't know what was going on on the Clippers' sideline. I don't know what they were telling him, blah, blah, blah. And I feel really confident that we'll be able to put DeAndre in positions to succeed no matter who that opponent is. But that is a consideration, you know. And so I think one of the benefits of both for DeAndre and for the Mavericks, I heard people complaining about a one-year deal. I think that's – excellent for both of them Mm -hmm. because DeAndre can figure out if he wants to be here and the Mavericks can figure out if he's the center for the next four or five years I think we all want that but neither of them are married to one another and it gives the Mavericks flexibility while making them way more competitive this year yeah absolutely and everyone you're going to hear a million times you already have the summer of 2019 is the the crazy summer because that's whenever all the 2016 deals come off the books yeah everybody's going to have money and the Mavs are probably going to have a lot of it. It's a free-for-all. Yeah, it is an absolute free-for-all. Uh, I was going to say something, Skin, and then I started thinking about money, and money just distracts you from everything. Mm. Um, it really does kind of affect your problems. So I, I, I'm just going to go completely off course here. Okay. And I'm going to say, while we're talking about trying to compete for a playoff spot, um, you mentioned it earlier. There's kind of the tiers in the West, right? There's Golden State. Mm-hmm. And then after that, I think there's a – chasm now that Houston lost uh, in Bamute and Trevor Ariza. I believe in LeBron James so much, and I'm looking at Houston's situation. It would not shock me if the Lakers had a similar record to the Rockets this year. Wow, okay. Okay, so that either means you're really low on Houston or really high on the Lakers. I think the Lakers are going to be a top three team or top four team in the West. LeBron is that good. Uh, He's that good. I'm really curious to see how they play, though. So it's him, Rondo, 
Uh, who else they got out there? They have. Uh, you talking I, about new guys or the yeah, old guys? Yeah. Well, no. I mean, what's their starting lineup? They're going to have Ingram. Uh, I think Brandon. Their, e- Brandon their Ingram. Uh, their center is. I don't think they have a center right now. Yeah. Do they? Oh yeah, it's Javale McGee. Now he may be coming okay. off the bench. Yeah. Um, Stevenson's not going to be starting for them, so it'll be Rondo, LeBron, Ingram, Lonzo McGee, Ball, and then maybe Lonzo. Yeah. The yeah. Ball and if they keep those guys, there's all this talk about whether you know we yeah, so, we don't know Lakers gossip, but. Brandon Ingram will be a borderline all-star this year Dude, playing he's, alongside he's LeBron. He's really good. He he's really absurdly play. good. Yep. Absurdly good. He and w- he doesn't really know like the extent. He kind of reminds me, watching him last year, honestly, whenever they were giving him the ball, because he was like playing point guard for them. When for Lonzo was hurt for yeah. about three or four weeks. He yeah. kind of reminded me of watching Giannis a couple years ago when Giannis first got the ball. Mm-hmm. Like, I have all of this length. What do I do with it? Right. And that's not saying that they're like dumb. Athletes obviously know their body, but like, you don't know the full. You don't know how good you can be until you get there. You it's know what the I mean? scene in Spider Man where he's figuring out he can shoot a web. Like, yeah. oh, I can do this. Wow. Yeah. Maybe I Wait a do minute. This I'm, over here. I'm seven feet and I can just euro step around everybody from the three point line. Like, he's he's like if you look at the the back half of last year and you can go look at the numbers. His numbers were great last year, dude. He's getting ready to take off because he is play, He's one. He's good. He has all these tools. His body's starting to develop. You know, he's only twenty, right? Jeez. I mean, I'd have to look up his birthday. He may have just turned 21, but he was one of the younger guys in the league. Mm. And he's playing with LeBron. He's playing with the best player in the world. The best player in the world that just took that team that was thrown together at the trade deadline to the finals. Mm -hmm. All right? He's going to have a monster year. A monster year. LeBron's going to make it so easy for him to shine. And I think Lonzo, you know, uh, the other thing, I was having this conversation. So, you know who Luca? Luca's a lot like Lonzo. If you want to look at size, if you want to look at what they do, just creating. I think he's obviously he's got a better looking shot. Mm. I think their percentages right now are pretty similar. But uh, a guy that's that size that can make plays for people and see things and make passes and suddenly have three easy buckets in a quarter just because he led you somewhere and saw it. That's what Lonzo does. Mm. Now, I'm not saying they're identical. But I think that's a similar kind of impact that he can he can have on a game. So if you just look at the Lakers, I mean, Rondo's a smart guy. I have my problems with him, but he's a smart guy. He knows how to win basketball games. If you just look at their team, they're going to go win games, especially in the regular season. I they are going to win games. It's going to be hard for them. Like, it's not going to be – they're not going to be killing anybody. You know what no, I mean? No, no, I think no. every game is going to be kind of a, I think a battle right. for them. But who is, who's the third best team in the West? That's a good question. I mean, it could be the Lakers. Yeah, I was going to say, know? give me LeBron over whatever else you're yeah. throwing at me. I think Oklahoma City will be way better. I really I, do. I think so, too. Although, who is their, like, who's in their starting lineup now? I, they're going to start Grant, Abrinas? right? I like Grant off the bench as kind of your center. Yeah. Like your backup five. Right. I don't know if you can start him because then you got between Russ and Grant. I mean, I guess you might start Terrence Ferguson or maybe Abrinas, maybe both of them. Yeah. Why wouldn't you just start? Is, when is Roberson back? Uh, that's a good question. I'm probably day one, maybe. I would, yeah, I would, I would think it'd be Roberson, George, Grant, and Adams. Dude, that's not any shooting at all. That's that's well, gonna be tough. It's tough, but never underestimate Paul George. That guy can play. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I don't know. I think OKC and the Lakers are kind of similar in that like they don't have a lot of shooting, but they have like they have players who are good. Yes, and it's kind of over 82 games. Usually, talent is gonna. Went out, you know, yeah. Especially in the case of the Lakers, they've added a bunch of veteran talent. Yeah, who just to go with their, their dogs. Or I'm young curious dogs. to watch them play though. They they were talking about how LeBron is going to play in the post more. Like we don't see that hardly ever. So I'm I'm curious to see how that looks. I think a lot of that too is probably just sort of the Kobe thing, right? Yep. When Kobe started sitting in the post at that point in his career, mm-hmm. um, you know, the concept is okay. It's less wear and tear and those sorts of things. Uh, and it's, you know, easier for you to operate than to – because, you know, if you just watched Cleveland games last year, LeBron didn't ISO and blow by people. It's just not what he does anymore. He's still an incredible athlete, but that crazy, stupid burst where you just can't stay in front of him, it's not it's not there anymore. He's still the best player in the world, in my opinion. Mm. If it's not Durant, it's him. You know, whatever, you can flip-flop him. But, uh, but I, I look at the West, and I just – you know, those really elite players are what separates you. And most of the elite players are on those four teams. Yep. And if elite players can stay healthy, but one thing about Westbrook, although he's had a couple injuries, but LeBron, like, they don't miss games. No. LeBron plays every game. Rondo doesn't miss games anymore min- either. Yeah. 
Yeah, oh, it's something changed along the way there. I don't know. Something in the last couple of years. Um, so speaking of Rondo, I think there's the, the tier after them, right? So we've already talked about the potentially the top three, I guess, and top four if OKC's in there. I don't know where they'll finish. Maybe not even top four. Maybe right. none of them will be in the top four. Who knows? Right. But, but after them is a team like New Orleans. Yes. So is, I, he the, is he the third best player in the conference since Kawhi's been hurt? Anthony Davis? Dude, how many of the top ten players are in the West? All like, of them. I'm not a big fan of ranking, but like all out, of them outside of Giannis. Well, he's not ready. He, he's not a top ten player yet. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's still what he's, he's like, like two or something. Like, yeah, still, like conceptually he is. Yeah, but he's not like putting a team on its back and winning in a playoff series the way Anthony Davis did. Now I yeah. want to give credit to Rondo and Drew and the Holiday, great Drew Holiday. Yeah, but but Anthony Davis is something you just simply can't account for. Yeah, yeah. But we were talking about this the other day though, off mic. Because we hang out all the time. What's up? Me. Yeah. Uh, hey, ladies. I'm not sure. And, I mean, I'm, I'm in no position to, like, throw stones. Obviously, the Mavericks won 24 games last year. But, like, I'm, I don't know if I'm a big believer in a starting lineup that has Peyton, Randall, and Davis all together. Like, I, I just don't know if that's a, enough. Like, obviously, Anthony Davis is amazing. Do you think Peyton starts? I don't know who. So does? me I personally, mean, I'd put Drew Holiday back at the point. Yeah, but they were having, they were so good whenever it was Rondo and Holiday because Rondo's kind of making the plays and Holiday's just like feasting. No, I agree with you, but Peyton is not Rondo. Yeah, like dude, you're talking to someone that does not like Rondo, mm-hmm. and I and there's people in the organization like, hey, you're you're wrong. There's mm-hmm. you know what, but I just I, I can't get over it. Okay, yep. but I'm not going to deny what he does for a team. Um, and so to your point, yeah, it's better for Drew Holiday to be two, but. Not to the unless Alfred Payton has made some leaps and bounds that I haven't seen. I mean, I did not watch him play much in Phoenix, so I don't really know. Well, assuming since they didn't keep him, yeah, they didn't keep him. They need a point point guard guard. that he didn't do anything different than he's done in Orlando. Mm. So, I to me, he's a developmental player. I mean, I I think the guy who's going to put up stupid numbers is Randall. I just don't know, man. I think so. My my real hot take, if we're in the business of basketball opinions, is that. Randall would be a really good sixth man. You start Miritich at four and Davis at five and then bring Randall off the bench for one of them. No, I agree, but that's not what their team is. They need to have the best players on the floor. Yeah, man. but see, I don't know. I, I, I just don't – I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, it'll be interesting to see, but, like, are you bringing Miritich off the bench? Because he's probably your best shooter. I would start all three of those guys. But then you're having Miritich guard threes. I don't know. And Randall guarding fours. Yeah, I don't know. It's going to be – It's. It's weird, right? I think it's, it's I think weird. Randall moves fine laterally. I just think think he moves vertically. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, not and much so, vertically. But then also, I'm I'm thinking more offense. I mean, yeah, can you have that many guys on the floor that can't shoot? Really? You well, know, I think I, I consider at this point Anthony Davis a good enough shooter to be considered a quote unquote shooter. Like because what happened? Well, I'll put it to you this way: we're really what we're talking about is space. And I think if Anthony Davis is 20 feet away from the basket, you're going out there and covering yep, him. For sure. Now, you would rather him do that than take one dribble and Connie Hawkins your ass. But, I mean, he, he's – <laughs> that, That's an old school reference. That's, yeah, it's for the – because all the old people listen to podcasts. Absolutely. Um, but, you know, I just know the times we've played him, it's like, well, we're not just going to leave him wide open. We have to go – because even if you just back way off of him, you're still allowing him to ramp up and just swoop over you. And then you're still sending another guy the second he floors it. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I don't think spacing will be a problem for them. I really don't. We'll see. You know, it'll, it'll play out. Yeah, we'll see. They, need, they don't have depth. They, man, they, what they really needed is they really needed someone to want Boogie enough to where they could have signed and traded him for two players. Mm-hmm. That's what they really needed, and it didn't work out yeah, for them. Yeah, I mean, these, I guess this has been going back for a few years now because they had – the Omera seat contract and then they had you know I mean they gave Drew Holiday a lot of money and Anthony Davis obviously is making a lot of money too so whenever you're whenever you need money to sign guys but you don't have money then it's tough to add depth they have Solomon Hill on a big contract so right like, and yeah, I don't know yeah. last year and he got hurt and he's a really good defender he's like I he's my kind of player plays real hard and mm-hmm. is kind of in your face and tough but yeah, I don't know. I, I just think you want to put a lot of shooting around Davis, and I'm not sure that they have enough. Do you but know who we'll I see. thought they should have signed? Who's and that? maybe they still will. Who's that? Isaiah Thomas. Okay. Now We're, we're talking now. Yeah. Because, you know, Isaiah Thomas is probably the worst defensive player in the NBA. He could be. But, but if he's healthy. Offense, man. Man. And you, Boston already proved that you can work around his defensive limitations. Mm-hmm. So that moves Drew back over to the two, 
and that is more and you can put holiday on the point guard absolutely like you don't have to you can you can you can put isaiah on whoever the three and d guy is on the other team yeah yeah exactly (laughs) and so meritage like wait that's my job i'm supposed to cover that guy but uh but yeah that that lineup right there would be really really salty and isaiah is gonna have to do a make good contract Mm. it's just simple yeah i mean yeah the question for him is does he want to go somewhere where he's going to play a ton of minutes or does he want to go somewhere where he could like be in a good system that could potentially get him some get him another contract contract, yeah just go sign a one-year deal and everybody's got money next summer yeah for sure for sure yeah so that i don't know new orleans is gonna be really interesting uh staying in the division spurs wild card i don't even know if we can talk about them i don't know what they are who knows what's gonna happen yeah i have no idea what they are i just know that they'll be well coached and competitive every night yep just like this team yeah oh crazy how that works out yeah uh, and then you have a team that was kind of like the Mavs last year in Memphis. But a lot of veteran guys didn't work out for them. Mike Conley got hurt. Uh, Achilles for him, I believe it was, right? Uh, it was, it was like a kind of not torn, but yeah, kind of messed up. Right. And it ended up taking the rest of the year. And then by that time, they're like, we don't need you to play anymore. Yeah. And I know a lot of people are super excited about Jaron Jackson Jr. Like maybe he could start yeah. alongside Marcus Gasol. I think you are starting because yeah. they can both shoot and they can both defend. Yeah. You know? Like, you know what's funny, man, is I know everyone around here is down on Chandler Parsons. At this point, he's a pretty good bench player. Yeah. If he's playing 18 to 20 minutes a night, he's a productive guy. Yeah, I mean, if you like, if you took money out, and obviously you can't because this is a business, but if you just eliminated his contract and said, here's a guy who can come off the bench, get you eight points, four boards, shoot 38% from three. I'm okay with that. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Like, I don't want to pay 25. If Finney Smith became that player, that's yeah. great. You know, I don't want to pay 25 for that, but I'm okay with that. Yeah, but I mean, if that's... If, you know, yeah. I, I don't know. You can you can make. He's a usable NBA player. Yeah, you can, I think you, you just can live people, with that for two years. Yeah, people get all caught up in the money. And, dude, it sucks for Memphis and it sucks for Chandler that he couldn't get over his injuries. Mm. Uh, but he's still a usable NBA player. I, I think the idea that, oh, he's trash, is that's just inaccurate. Yeah, that's lame. Yeah. Yeah, so Memphis is kind of in that pool with the Mavs trying to get back into the playoffs. Right. I don't know. I don't know about them. Kyle Anderson as your starting small forward. I mean, is he's, he he's more an interesting player? Is he more athletic than Chandler Parsons right now? I don't know. I don't. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, Utah. What do they call him? Slow mo or what's yeah, his slow-mo, name? Slow mo. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, watching him plays a trip though. I always. I like. He's watching fun. Him. Yeah. And he's gonna. That's a smart team. Yeah. Mike Conley and Marcus. He'll fit in great with those yeah, guys. And Jaron Jackson is, in my opinion, one of the best players in the draft. I had him so is their two. starting lineup Jackson Jr. and Anderson at three and four. Uh yeah yeah okay yeah with Gasol at five I mean who's there too they could change it up uh last year they had I mean dude they rolled out a they rolled out a G League team for a little while there I don't even know man oh is it Dylan Brooks uh Dylan Brooks played three for them I guess he could come off I mean you could start him theoretically you know and just switch. But Memphis, what are y'all doing? Dylan Brooks pretty nice. He's good. Hey, he was yeah. good. Fine. Yeah, he's pretty Real nice. Good fine. Uh, and then you got yeah, Portland is kind of Portland and New Orleans are kind of in the same same boat as. It's hard to like, make the playoffs in the West. Is it's what very we're telling hard. You folks. Yeah, yeah. It's going to take what 43, 44 maybe. Maybe uh, I think so. I don't know. But teams how many will teams beat are... each other up as well. Yeah, like it's going to be really hard to win. It's going to be hard. I, you know, I bet it'll be the fewest number of 50-win teams in the West in a long time. That's what I was going to say. I don't know how many teams. I think Utah will get to 50. God, we I haven't even mentioned the, Utah. Yeah, I think They're the Warriors. So good. I think Utah might finish second. Yeah. That's, that's a real hot take. But I think it's going to be kind of like it was. That's a good uh, hot take. Yeah. You, what are you glossing that over with? What do you mean? I mean, that should have been the lead. Oh, I think wow, Utah's yeah. your number two seed. Hey, bar- yeah, no. I mean, it could happen. It yeah. could happen. But they – so Utah's weird because last year – Gobert was out, and then when he came back, they just killed people. Yeah. They went on like they won nineteen out of twenty games or something. Everyone talked about Donovan Mitchell, but it was the return of Gobert. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, but they did the same exact thing, uh, not the season before, but the season before that. So I, I don't even know the years anymore. I think that's fifteen, sixteen, or maybe it was fourteen, fifteen. Gobert was hurt, and then he came back, and then they had like an eighty-five defensive rating for like thirty games, right. which is the best of all time. And everyone was like, "Yeah, Utah's going to kill everybody." And then the next year, they didn't make the playoffs. Right. So, just because you play well for thirty games doesn't mean you're going to play well for eighty-two. But Donovan Mitchell is a killer. Rudy Gobert is really good. Derek Favors seemed to it seemed to work better with them last year. Mm-hmm. They kind of figured out a way to stagger them and, mm-hmm. and you know keep spacing on the floor. Joe Ingles is one of my favorite players in the He's league. He's fun, dude. Yeah. So, so Kawhi you, to Utah, is that what you're saying? Oh, it's start the – yeah, it's breaking news, man. I mean, it's a Spurs guy coaching over there. Yeah. Yeah, dude, Quinn Snyder's great too. Yeah, Utah's really good. So if if the Mavs can get to the Utah level 
normally you'd say that's a failure, but now Utah's like legitimately good. They're good for sure, and they did it after losing Hayward too, which is amazing. Yeah. But uh, yeah, beyond those two, I don't know if anybody gets to fifty. It's kind of going to be like in uh, twenty fifteen. Whenever on the last day of the season, the Spurs lost to the Pelicans and it like moved like seven teams around in the standings. Mm-hmm. Like it was just crazy. Everybody had, I think, like 52 wins. Yeah. But this year, I think it might be that with like 45 wins. Yeah. And it's, it's like one of those things where like you're in the fourth week of March and the playoffs have begun. Yeah. I mean, it's going to feel like the playoffs every night for the final three weeks of the season because there's going to be so much scrambling going on. Yeah. It's going to be crazy. Yeah. So uh, back to the Mavs. So you brought up Barnes earlier. We talked a little bit about Wes Matthews, how his job is going to be easier. I think bringing on Doncic and DeAndre is going to change things up for Barnes yes. a little bit. Yes. So his numbers oh, – sorry for yelling at the mic. I just get really excited when I'm I say excited the, for when you. When I say the word numbers, I just, like, yell it, you know. <laughs> uh, so his, his <laughs> per-game averages kind of were very similar last season, but his, his workload changed. It was a little more modern, a little more, you know, far from the basket, less posting up, less ISO. Right. This season with Doncic and Dennis both, you know, figuring to have the ball in their hands a lot, I think that Barnes will be more than just a spot-up shooter, but I think that he will be less than the leading scorer on the team, maybe. He uh, might, I he would might d- not lead the team in scoring. Uh, yeah, yeah, and you know what, though? Don't you think it'll be I – th- I think you're right. Don't you think it'll be one of those years where there's, like, four guys within two points of each other? Yeah, if you had to guess right now, assuming everybody plays 82 games and is healthy, who is the leading scorer? You ready for me to blow your mind? Okay. I really do think it's going to be Dennis. Okay. And I know that that's like, you're crazy. He's a second-year player. I just think because of the way we're going to play, uh, I think of because I think there's going to be less talk about him, and I think he's the kind of player that embraces that. Uh, I think we're going to look up, and he's going to average 17.5, and, and Harrison's averaging 16.9, and Luca's at – Hopefully he's at 15, mm. and Dirk is still getting his off the bench, and JJ's, and I think we're going to – and, you know, Wes is – you know, they're at 13, 14. I just think there's a bunch of guys that are averaging anywhere from 18 to 12, and there's a bunch of them. Yep. I just think that's what it's going to be, and I think that the differences will be minimal, but I think Dennis will end up having the highest point average this year. Yeah, that could be – I mean, he's definitely going to – get a lot of shots I think and a lot Uh, of early offense and a lot of transition yeah and he's gonna get a lot of assists too I can see him averaging like seven yeah him and Doncic both honestly yeah because there's just so much shooting would you be surprised if Luke averaged more assists than Dennis I think I I think I would be but maybe not I I mean I I wouldn't be surprised but I think Dennis will lead the team just because I think he's gonna be the the one bringing the ball up the floor it's almost gonna be like to me those years where I mean if you go and look statistically Tony Parker would a lot of times lead the Spurs and assist, and it'd be six. Yeah. You know, just because – I mean, that's what good ball movement teams are supposed to have, though, theoretically. Mm. It doesn't always work that way. But if everybody's getting touches and everybody's moving the ball, everybody's getting assist. Yeah. Uh, well, it's not just one guy creating and, you know, he gets all the assists. Yeah, there were only – I forget the number. I looked it up the other day. There were only like three or four teams in the league last season that had two t- uh, two guys with five assists. Is that and right? one of them was the Warriors and another one was the Mavs. Dennis and Berea both. So the Rockets didn't. Uh, well, yeah, they were another one. Okay. Yeah. So that's your – I think that might have been your three. Yeah. I, I don't know that there were any other teams. I wish that I would have looked that up while you were talking, but uh, – yeah, I mean, they can move the ball. Yeah. And they might – it's going to be hard to have three guys with five-plus assists. The Warriors did it because they're amazing. Yeah. But uh, – And they lead the league in passing, or they normally do. I don't know if they did again this year, but yeah. just sheer number of passes. Yeah, but, I mean, between Dennis and Doncic, they're probably both going to play 30 minutes a game. You would if, hope. If not more. And you would you have Wes and Barnes, who shoot really well, both plus 40 from the corners. And right. And DeAndre dunks. I mean, he gets a lot of dunks. Yes. That's going to be a lot of assists. Yes. Uh, I think, bringing it back to Barnes – I think he's going to get a lot of his offense off switches. Mm-hmm. So DeAndre is your early play, you know, set a big monster screen to free up Dennis and then sprint to the basket. Well, if that doesn't work, teams aren't going to switch a center onto Dennis. Like, we talk about Capella guarding Steph Curry in the playoffs, but that's in the playoffs. Like, teams don't play that way in the regular season. You'd kill your big man if you did, if you switch centers onto point guards for 80 games. Right. Like, you're just not going to do that. Right. So your, your point guard's going to go under the screen, and they're going to say, Dennis, shoot a three. If the role's not there for DeAndre, 
I think that's when you swing it over to Luca, or you have Barnes come up and set a screen. Uh-huh. Get a guard on Barnes and then give it to Barnes. So when you say get a guard, you're talking about because I'm saying so like if if Barnes if if the wor- if the first play with DeAndre doesn't work, then Barnes comes up and sets a screen, and you will switch that. Yeah. So you'll switch a point guard onto Barnes, and Barnes kills point. You guards. know what I was wondering about too, though, is I was wondering about a lot of three four action with Luca and Harrison. The reason being is because I think you'd rather have the bigger player on Matt from a Mavs perspective, the bigger player on Luca, mm-hmm. and the smaller player posting up Harrison. Or if Harrison gets the bigger player on him, he loves to operate at eighteen feet against that guy. Yeah. Um, so we might see a lot of three four action just to depending on what the matchups are to manipulate it both ways for those two guys and because luke is such a good ball handler you can put him as the ball handler in that action and and work that switch yeah what kind of guy are you putting on luca like if If i'm the other team if you're the coach yeah what are you putting like because i mean luke is not luke is not a burner right so are you gonna put a a real long guy that's strong quite honestly if i'm if i'm the other coach I don't think I don't think you're gonna ISO Luca, so I would put the four on him. Okay. Reason being because you know once the switch happens, you have you can the switch better athletic guy. right? Uh, and because I think conversely, if I just put the four on him, I don't think they're just gonna all right flatten out. I just don't think you're gonna have that. Mm. Maybe. <laughs> but if you put the four, I mean, depends on your personnel, obviously. But if you put the four on Luca and you got your point guard or your KCP style two guard on Dennis, mm-hmm. then that means that you're like you're probably having a guy that's too small to guard Barnes and then mm-hmm. Barnes can just like back him down. I mean, he, I know that post up is generally inefficient, right? Which is kind of why it's weird that LA is wanting to do that with LeBron, but LeBron is really good. So he can do whatever he wants, but like, I think it's for him Barnes, too. It's about passing out of the post. Yeah, for sure. But Barnes is good enough in the post against switches to kill him. And right. in ISO too. I mean, yeah. his numbers against switches are really, really, really good. Where right. he struggles is if he's trying to back down a guy with six, eight with seven, two wingspan, Right, but if you're putting like a two guard on Barnes, he's gonna murder him. Yeah, and if you put, if teams do what they do with Dirk, where like Dirk is your center, your power forward, but he's guarding you know Trevor Ariza in the corner. If they do that with Wes, Wes is still competent enough with the ball to drive around slower guys too. Yeah. So like you can't hide your slowest perimeter guy on Wes because he can beat them, especially if there's other stuff going on over here. Right. You swing it over to Wes, and this guy's off balance. Like, right. I think Wes and Barnes are both. Very, very capable enough with the ball in their hands to kill guys that are out of position. You know what I think you're saying? Hmm. The ceiling is the roof. The ceiling is the roof, I think my that's man. what you're saying. Yeah, there's just a lot of possibilities. Uh-huh. And that's why having two ball handlers is important. And people, and I understand why, but people complain, or not complain, but are like worried that Dennis not having the ball in his hands is going to upset him or will like limit his potential or will affect the offense because not everyone's going to be happy, but you have to have two guys handle I mean, the ball. I mean, dude, it, like, it ruined the Spurs when they had Parker and Ginobili doing it. I mean, God, yeah, it just yeah. devastated they, they them. They never won. No. They never won at all. And I think, too, if you want to make comparisons, Parker wasn't a shooter. No. I mean, Dennis is a better shooter now than Parker was at 20. Yeah, than it, really Parker ever was. Ever was. So my whole point is that you want talented guys that can – it's it's really a lot of it, too, is about attacking the weak side action. Mm. You know, because so many – defensive switches and things are geared towards the primary action once you revert i mean this is why i think people if they're watching on tv and they go well they, they got to reverse the ball they got to reverse the ball it's like well what why are you saying that you're saying that because of the way it compromises the defense the the longer in the shot clock see there's two there's it's not the same thing you don't want a shot late in the shot clock if there's not a lot of ball movement, if there's a lot of ball movement, you absolutely want a shot late in the shot clock because at that point you've probably had two or three switches and guys don't know where the help's coming. That's how from. the Spurs won the title in fourteen. Exactly, they killed people with like under five seconds left. Right. So we're don't get it twisted. There's two completely different things going on there. There's a difference in that, and so this team hopefully is a far a far better ball movement team because they've added a premier passer and you can get. Guys attacking the weak side starting at 10 on the shot clock. Mm. That's a that's a really good proposition. Yeah, and last season, part of the problems with these starting lineups was Dennis was – and this is taking nothing away from Wesson Barnes, right? But they're not running a lot of pick and rolls. Dennis was really the only guy last year that could consistently create stuff for other people. In the starting lineup. In the starting lineup, obviously yeah. obviously Berea yeah. and Yogi. And, and the, the reason the bench killed is because Berea could, Yogi could, Devin Harris could whenever he was on the team. And Dirk obviously creates a lot of chaos too. But if you have two guys now, then Dennis can run his one or two pick and rolls. If nothing is there, well, let me swing it over to Lucas, see what Lucas got going on. Right. Like, it's it's all 
like the Warriors are fine with having Steph and KD. Like the Rockets won almost 70 games with Chris Paul and James Harden. Right. You can make it work. Like Absolutely. The Mavs are going to be fine. You They're going to be fine. Yeah, you don't need to worry about it. Okay, uh, I'm very excited. We're going to talk more about this in the future, I'm sure, because we do this podcast once a week, supposedly. Sort of. Uh, yeah. Uh, before I let you leave, though, uh, I do want to talk a little bit about Summer League. So this is – we recorded this on Wednesday – Oh, we got a game tonight. Uh, yeah, so tonight against Chicago, right? Five thirty against the Bulls. Okay, yeah. good. And then if win or lose, they will play at least one more game. If yeah. They, if they, if they win beyond, then you lose, you're out. If you lose tonight, you play one more game, then you go home. Right. Uh, the Bulls, Wendell Carter. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But otherwise, a lot of their bigger names, like Laurie Markkinen's not out there, mm-hmm. so it's going to kind of be. I don't know if Wendell Carter's playing. I imagine he would. D- Dennis is out, and Dorian. They're yeah, done. Dennis right? and Dorian. Dennis and Dorian. And uh, I'm not sure about Motley. Uh-huh. Maybe Motley might be done. Uh-huh. But uh, yeah, kind of the big matchup to watch is the new guy, Ray Spalding, mm-hmm. versus Wendell Carter. Fun. That's going to be tough, man. Um, so, what are your impressions of uh, Brunson, Costas, Ray Spalding, and then I guess Dennis too, but. We, we kind of already talked about Dennis. But yeah, yeah Mainly those three guys. So I'm – one of the things I look at at second-round picks is what is four years from now with these guys? Can these guys actually develop? I think when you look at Jalen, you go, okay, can he be J.J.? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, I mean, I don't want to pigeonhole the guy. Maybe he can be better than that. I think J.J.'s had a brilliant career. Uh, and I think, you know, Jalen's obviously bigger than J.J., but when – there in pick and roll stuff, J.J. didn't do it by just simply blowing by people. He did it by getting his body into them and getting them off balance and then mastering those shots. And I think that's where Jalen's pick and roll shots are going to come from because mm-hmm. he's, he's kind of built like a barrel. J.J. is built like a keg. Yep. <laughs> um, so uh, I think that's interesting watching him from that standpoint, and I think he's going to get to learn from him. And I think he's obviously got you know the NBA pedigree, so there's, he's been watching this his whole life. I think I think Jalen's a very smart player, um, and I think smart players have a tendency to stick around. Mm. Spalding is, uh, I mean, he's he's going to be playing for the legends. Yeah, uh, as as is Costas Costas Costas. I'm kind of like halfway in right. Um, I think I'm going to want to go watch a bunch of legends games this year yeah, for sure because I think they've got good developmental players that are worth keeping tabs on mm. and and seeing how far that those guys can develop you know who's kind of a, a guy who's become a, our buddy uh jonathan jarks was i was texting with him about him the other day he sure wants jalen jones to make this team yeah again. no he's he's the captain of the jalen jones fan club. yeah um so i i you know i think there's been fun guys to watch um but it's just man it's so competitive at the end of our roster yeah i mean i don't know that i can definitively say who i think is going to make it mm. well and there's one open spot right now too. right now so there's one open spot and then there's two two-way spots right now so jonathan motley and jalen jones are both the two-way players right now right so you can sign a one or two-year two-way deal every team obviously wants a two-way or a two-year two-way deal yeah that's better better for the team so you can promote one of those guys to your roster, right? And the Mavs do need a wing, so theoretically, if Jalen Jones plays well, he's been playing well in Vegas. Right, he could be one of those guys. Right, they could go to the market. Uh, it's going to be interesting though with Costas. So, if the Mavericks, so whenever you have a second round player, they're not officially on your team until you sign them. Right, like they can go overseas, you still hold their rights. Right, but if you if they go to the G League, they play for your G League team. I don't know though. Like, he was really good. I don't know if you saw their game the other night. Uh, this was not last. This was not Tuesday. I'm talking like in the future because people won't be listening to this today. Maybe mm. they might be listening tomorrow. But whatever their their most recent game, right? He had like three blocks, two steals, eight rebounds, like four or five points. Like, he's a, a stat sheet stuffer. Yeah, you know. And uh, summer league is a trip right it's not always the prettiest basketball but he shows signs yeah he definitely shows flashes he's someone you want to develop yeah for sure because so the the question is do you want to like do you want to put a ring on it kind of thing yes like do you want to give him a two-way deal but if you do that means that you gotta do something with motley and jones and both of those guys showed a lot of signs too like not in summer league i mean in summer league but in actual games mostly against real players yeah Yeah, like i'm sure so it's tough, man. It's tough, but uh, I think that you, I think you on those types of deals, you know, I think you have to look at what can that guy really be in four years, 
Now, you know, you know, this is like the theme of the show, right? You never want to pigeonhole a guy. Mm-hmm. But what direction is the league going? What are this guy's physical attributes? To me, he seems like a no-brainer risk. Yeah, well, that makes it's sense. not even a risk. It's not, it's like yeah, a, it's like uh, it's like a science experiment. They right. got to be like Bob McKinnon's got to be like super hype right now. I, I you know, and I, the, whenever people do talk about floors and ceilings and these things with prospects, I just like I, it's a big whatever to me. I just look at it from the standpoint of a player development guy, and so like a Procopio or you know uh, anybody within our our staff on that is like, what do I want to work with? What can I turn? It's an ego thing to some degree. Yeah, for sure. But most coaches have tremendous egos. That's not a knock. They don't get into that profession otherwise. They believe they can do something to help these people develop into something awesome. That's part of the job. So if I'm looking at the people you're talking about, who do you want to develop? Obviously the guy that's like seven feet that can handle the ball, run the floor, and whose brother is the same size and doing incredible things. To me, that's a no-brainer. Yeah. I'm with you. Yeah. Although, I mean, so Charks, like I said, Charks has a lot of hot takes, and he's been wrong about guys before, but I'm with him on Jalen Jones. I really like his game. Yeah. He's he, just like a tough – he just plays so much harder than everybody else. You know, uh, so Harp and Followell were talking about spending a little bit of time with him. I think they went to New Orleans and got and talked to him mm-hmm. uh, during one of our the road trips I wasn't on, and uh, they came back really impressed. You know, Harp is big on a guy's toughness. Because Harp knows what it takes. Mm. Harp's one of the toughest SOBs you'll meet in any walk of life. Guy's just nails. Mm. Uh, and so if he recognizes something inside your personality as tough, you know, something like that, that says a lot to me. Like, I look to Harp and go, what does Harp think about this? Harp, Harp likes him, mm. uh, that, that aspect of and it. And just so. watching him play, too. Like, he's the guy that dives on the floor. He's the guy that gets an offensive rebound over the lazy center who's not boxing anybody out. He's the guy that will – He wants it. Lay it in and yell and one and stare the guy down and intimidate them and score on them the next time down, too. Yeah. Like, he's just a tough dude. I don't know where the slots are, but he's in consideration. There's yeah, for no sure. Doubt. Well, and, like, everyone views Rick Carlisle as an offensive coach because he runs all this cool stuff that mm-hmm. nobody else does and it's real fancy. But at his roots, man, he came up coaching, like, the Pistons mm-hmm. and the Pacers. Like, he was coaching the Pacers when it was Ron Artest, Steven Jackson. Like, they Jermaine were winning games 75-74. Yeah. Like, that guy cares about defense, and yeah. in fact, I think Donnie even called him a defensive-minded coach at one of the in one of these press conferences. And everyone was kind of like, "What? Like defensive-minded? We always talk about pick and roll, but like Carlisle likes guys like Jalen Jones, yeah, like Yogi Ferrell, JJ Barea. Like JJ does fancy stuff on offense, but like these are tough guys. Tough like, he, wa- he wants guys that aren't going to back down, right. that are going to you know talk some s, that are going to do some. His favorite know, word is his favorite thing to say all the time is play with force. Yeah. And that's where that shows more than on the I – mean, obviously it shows on the offensive end, but that shows in rebounding and defense. That's mm. where that really shines. Yeah, and there's nothing glamorous about that. Yeah. But, like, that's the kind of stuff that gets you on a roster. For right? sure, man. And being a, you know, being a good person too. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so that's, that's kind of some Summer League talk. Uh, one last thing about Summer League, by the way. Uh, so Mitch Creek, uh, who's, I guess, now starting power forward, but he was backing up um, – Dorian, whenever Dorian was out there, Dorian's now done for summer league, so Mitch is starting again. So he's an Australian guy. He's played overseas in Australia. He's played in Europe. Uh, real funny guy. He is doing a, a little video series called On the Bus with Mitch Creek. And uh, in the first episode, he interviewed Luca. So I'm curious to see who he gets tonight. Hopefully it'll be Dennis or, or That'd be one great. of his other guys too. I did watch the Luca. It's yeah, awesome. it was pretty funny. Luca's Australian accent is terrible. <laughs> yeah, it sounds just like his Slovenian. Yeah, accent, I don't know. Uh, I don't know what's going yeah, on. Yeah, it's pretty bad. But uh, one of the one of the one of the gyms in there was what's his favorite movie, and he says Mamma Mia. Which, I, like, what the hell? It's probably the only person whose favorite movie is Mamma Mia. Yeah. And hey, I'm not one to knock musicals. Right. I love Pitch Perfect. Like uh-huh. I'm a musical person, but. Mama Mia is your favorite movie. It's just interesting. <laughs> I just think it's the first damn thing he thought of. Yeah, so definitely check those videos out. Hopefully, like I said, hopefully Mitch gets a good one. That's, uh, and, that's uh, all Steve Chavera, our guy out there, is making that happen. And let me pitch something right quick as we're checking out. Uh, the draft edition of Mavs Insider on Fox Sports Southwest, I believe it airs on Thursday, and there's okay. a sit-down with Luka Doncic. Is there a date on that? That's Thursday, July 12th? Yes. Okay. So and then they'll you know put it on your DVR. They air it a couple times, but it's our draft edition. And uh, You're talking and you, with Luka? Yeah, you were there. It was yeah. at the Mavs practice facility. Yeah. So How was it? It was great. Is there any uh, spoilers? Uh, I'm not going to spoil anything other than you better watch it because okay. you'll love it. Does he do an Australian accent with you? I feel like I failed knowing that 
that was in his bag and I didn't pull uh, it man, out. So, did yeah. he sing for you? Because he says he he says he can sing. He didn't sing. I'm kind of calling BS on thinking that he can sing until he actually does it. There is some dining question that I failed, so I'll tease that. Okay. Yeah. That you failed? I failed him. Oh, no. I made a bold proclamation and then failed him. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. That's a shame. Yeah. Uh, all of our draft talk, so that's the Mavs Insider Draft Edition. All of our Mavs draft talk on uh, Mavs.com is presented by Five Miles. It is a yes. locally-based company where you can buy and sell different items with people nearby quickly, easily, safely. Check out Five Miles app. Those are the people that uh, have their logo on the jerseys. That's right. And uh, there are going to be some new jerseys, by the way, this season. I know there's all those mock-ups going around on Twitter. People, and right. they're pretty cool. I'm some not of them are lie. awesome. Yeah, so uh, just don't forget, obviously, the, the white and blue jerseys are going to stay the same. Uh, the Skyline jersey we have I, either for one or two more years, I don't remember. Uh, and then the City Edition, which last year was that the black one with kind of like the neon green and Which blue. I loved. Yeah, that that looked sharp. People had some takes about that at first, but by the end of the year, I feel like everyone kind of liked it. Like it. I think people had takes because they felt like they were supposed to have takes. Those were great jerseys. Yeah, they looked nice on yeah, the court. They like, looked great. I, they, and I think people kind of realized that. But anyway, uh, I don't know when we're uh, going to reveal this year's City because that one changes every year. Um, but we are going to reveal that at some point. So there will be a new Mavs jersey this year. And there will be new Mavs jerseys every year. So just, you know, be on be on the lookout for that indefinite date. I might be teasing this like five months too early. <laughs> That's okay. A tease is a yeah. tease. But just be excited, man. It's an exciting time. Absolutely. It's an exciting time, Skin. Uh, this was an exciting conversation. I'm just going to keep saying exciting. Uh, exciting as well. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Mean, just triple down on it. All right. Well, uh, I'll see you... Uh, We'll see you guys either next week or in two weeks or in three weeks or in a week and a half. Sounds like a plan. Yeah, we'll see you in the future at some point. Hopefully, maybe DeAndre will end his vacation early and come home. Seems likely. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, mean, just just tweet him or DM him or something. Yeah, let DeAndre know. Yeah. Uh, All right, we will see you guys. Mavs, it's exciting. It's numbers on the boards. We will see you next week.